Hey, welcome to Gig News tonight. Sorry, me, GigTube, and my buddy Hannibal is hungry in Brooklyn. How you doing, man? What's going on? How's your week? Good. I was in uh, Cocoa Beach today. My sister and my nephew, they're taking a cruise. And Port Canaveral is right there next to Cape Canaveral where they do the shuttle launches. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I got to see them. And uh, this Ron John surf shot, it's like gigantic. It's like two two or three stories. It's its like this gigantic, mostly T-shirt store. But they also sell like surfboards and boogie boards and, you know, all kinds of touristy kind of things. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. This is that nice, comfortable cotton poly blend. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, Dortmunder Lager from Lupulin Brewing, Big Lake, Minnesota. This is a really niche German style of lager. Not a lot of American breweries do it. It's uh, all, all the beers you drink are niche to me because I never he- I never heard of any of them. <laughs> but on our first show, I drank Pabst Blue Ribbon, remember? <laughs> okay, yes. Yeah, I need to bring that. Let's bring that back. It's basically water in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fat Blue Ribbon is my favorite of the cheap beers. I could actually drink that. Well, I wouldn't drink it all the time, but I it's it's a cheap beer I can actually drink uh, mm. without like issue or whatever. Anyway, uh, now I remember to I'll plug the audio podcast. Um, if you guys can't sit here for an hour 90 minutes however long we go audio podcast is available link in the description below any podcatcher that you use i use overcast but i know a lot of people like spotify stitcher apple podcasts you name it gig two podcast is there so you can listen in your car or whatever it is you're doing while you listen to podcasts i'll deliver orders or something I, I left a comment on Hannibal's video the other day. I said, sure would be nice if there was an audio version of this so I could listen in the car. Well, get YouTube Premium or, well, actually, I am planning some form of podcast. So be mm-hmm. look out for that. When, it, when I actually um, get it announced and actually get start doing it, I'll put it out there. So there will be a podcast. You will be hearing me on something. I'm going to follow your lead with uh, the redcircle.com. Yeah, that's, so that's I, who I use. It's free, so. Yeah, so when I when I finally get it done, I'll I'll announce it here. So stay tuned. I think there is like a, a either a time limit or like a size file limit. So I don't think you could go past like ninety or hundred minutes. Like if you're going two, if you're going over two hours, you want to split it up into two separate oh. um, recordings or whatever. But anyway, any uh, so are you just doing dog? sitting and dog walking now you're not doing grub dash eats or anything uh, anymore yeah. i mean right now since it's you know spring and there's spring break and different times of the you know certain parts of the country have different types of or different times of the spring break summer is coming up so that's going to take a eat a lot of my time but mm-hmm. um i don't know if you want to segue into the the first story that this may make me at least do it a little <laughs> more often than i was going to do it Previously, like maybe before this was once a week, weekends, when I know for sure I'm going out, I'm not wasting my time. As long as I'm not wasting my time, I'll do it. But this latest update, I probably would do it a little long, a little more than I was going to plan. I was planning to do it. Okay. Well, um, thanks. for that's, That was like a perfect segue. If only I had my <laughs> screen ready to go. All right, here we go. Whoops, not remove. No, yes, add to stream. Here we go. This is from New York One. Expanded protections for food delivery app workers go into effect. This is only in New York City. So beginning Friday, new city laws take effect to protect delivery workers for apps like Grubhub and Uber Eats. It marks the second rollout of new regulations to set labor standards for delivery app workers throughout the five boroughs. Under the new regulations, delivery apps must now give details before a job is accepted, including the address, distance, pay, and tip. Workers have more rights, too. They can now limit how far they are willing to deliver and refuse certain routes without penalty. Delivery workers must be paid weekly, allowed access to restaurant restaurant bathrooms, and provided with a free insulated food delivery bag. These latest laws are the second wave of new regulations for food delivery apps beginning in January 
apps are required to be transparent about how much each customer tipped and workers sole pay, including tips from the previous day. Um, that's pretty much it. I thought, I thought, so the, the tip transparency went into effect in January or just went into effect now? The law came in or the, the law was passed a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And then it finally, I guess this is always a date. And I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't read the article enough mm -hmm. that this is going to be Friday. Last Friday was going to be the official. They had to start showing the, the full uh, tip or the full trip details in each order. So, mm -hmm. so have you fired up DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats since then? Yeah. So I fired up uh, DoorDash. I saw the orders. Um, on my community tab is the ones that I've seen. And at first, it's it's still mind blowing that you you know that we have to do this. Like, we, yeah, there was a provision law that had to be forced the companies to do this. And unfortunately, it's only in New York City. But I remember the time when I was actually the last time I truly enjoy doing i mean it's not hard right doordash and the Grubhub, not hard but what i actually enjoy doing it is when i knew exactly how much tip i was getting from the para app now, that was right. so long ago and after that it's always just seems like it's all it's a game of cat and mouse trying to figure it out and i don't want to do that it's annoying but this uh update it's fantastic you know exactly what i'm getting myself into this is what we all want this is all we strive for like I mean, I mean, yeah, it'd be great if they increase the base wage, but I know they can't do that. So this mm -hmm. is the next best thing. Just show yeah. me exactly what's going on. Was that your account that I saw the screenshot of the distance, like the radius or whatever? Yeah, so that that's, that's, yeah, so that's another update. Um, oh, that's another provision I had to put in. You can set your maximum drop-off uh, delivery or distance. So you go into, I think it's like details or preferences on DoorDash and you can scroll how, how far you want to go with maximum drop-off distance. So you can go from three miles, four miles, five to the full. And as you scroll, the lower, the, I guess the, the lower the maximum drop-off distance, they'll, they'll put a little disclaimer at the bottom saying that you're going to only um, have the potential to get 80% of orders. Or that's, that's still plenty, you know. Still tons of poor, especially in New York yeah. City. And I think that provision was especially created for the e-bikers and the bikers and e-scooters um, yeah. e where yeah. they should not be taking a 10 mile. It just doesn't make any sense for their battery life or their legs if they're not using a scooter. So that was especially made for them. But as you even with a car, time is important because five miles may not seem like a lot. But in New York City, that could be forever. Yeah, because you know I mean? like, there's so many red lights, so much traffic. So much traffic, yeah. so many people on bikes, so many people walking. Yeah, so, so even like four miles is like you know a marathon. You know, it's, yeah, it's like the Oregon Trail, man. It's it's crazy. That, yeah, because when I saw it on your um your community tab, I thought it's like, you know, I think DoorDash is copying DUH Drivers Utility Helper. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Which which is actually a good thing. I mean, if you can't, I mean, as far as I know, that's probably only available in New York, maybe San Francisco or something like that, but. Um, yeah, that is actually a really helpful feature. I mean, I would put that on there. I'd also love to have, um, a destination mode, like with Uber and Lyft. Like if you're like miles and miles and miles away from home, you're trying to get back home. You can put destination filters. So you're only getting rides that are going in your general direction. Yeah. I kind of wish Uber and uh, Uber Eats, I wish Grubdash Eats had something like that. Although the zones are so small, it doesn't really make sense to add that, but um yeah it's funny because before this i was listening to a lot of our old podcasts from last year by the way even the shows that we didn't have um because i didn't start doing the audio podcast until august and we started doing this show in june mm -hmm. all the all the episodes before then i've actually uploaded as audio podcasts just mostly because i'm probably the only one's gonna listen to it but it's up there so like what i was saying you know last year i was like you know, and I've said this a million times, and you know, there's always it's always somebody's first show. By the way, welcome if it's your first show. Um, if uh, you know, if you guys aren't going to you, by you guys, I mean Grub Dash Sheets, the the tech apps. If you're not going to do these types of things, you, you know the power of whiny crybabies who go to, especially if they're 
to, let's say, the left of Rand Paul. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go to their congressman, city council, senator, whoever, and force you to do this, especially yeah. when you get enough of them. So either you can do it voluntarily or you can do it by force. Yeah, and this, it, not a, just, this shouldn't be a surprise to these companies. They have seen a rush of signups. They've seen, you know, I don't know how many dashes that there's now officially like millions i think maybe two or three million eventually people are going to either coming from the w2 life where they had a little bit more understanding of what's going on and they look at this and it doesn't remind them of their w2 job and they want a little bit of everything so they're going to go to their legislators they're going to complain and this is where we are especially in new york city it was a big push to do this protests yeah. um people a lot of people Especially in you know, minority communities, this is this is what they were dealing with: taking um, really bad offers, not able to use the bathroom. A lot of the restaurants won't let them use the bathroom. So there's a lot of things that kind of culminated to the point where they this this law kind of came in effect. And I'm wondering what is going to happen in terms of will things just be normal? Like the same orders will be taken in the same clip. Well, no tip offers is going to just take a little longer. Tip offers will probably be a little faster, but nothing necessarily will change because that's why I think DoorDash and Ubeats, they, they're, they're afraid of, they think if we give them too much information, it will damage our bottom line. If things stay normally, stay normal, like relatively, maybe they can be encouraged to try this with other places. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think, you know, monkey see, monkey do. It's just a matter of time before Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, other democratic machine cities start just copy and paste this and, and enact this, you know, for better or for worse. But, you know, uh, I, it, it's very, very rare that I would agree. And I still I'm, I agree with the the sentiment, you know, like it, this shouldn't require a government law, you know, like transparency like the whole reason like going to the para app you know the reason that app exists is because david and um uh jeff and uh jimmy and uh steve they all believe in the gig workers right to know what we're getting into yeah you know mm -hmm. it's and it's a shame that they had to come to um i don't want to say hacking but just doing you know something that you know, isn't part of the what what's in the app. They had to go in there and kind of decrypt stuff that's in the app. It's um, it's so yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's so you you. That's my my I guess my my uh, hope right. You know, the idealistic view is that things they look at the data and realize it's okay. We can provide this information. And things will stay normal until they're the same. But it may not be. I mean, these guys have, have tons of data. They probably looked at it and they, they know why they they are not giving out this kind of information. Mm -hmm. And it may be something that just destroys their business model. So we'll see what happens in New York City. Um, and you like your, I, I completely agree with you. This is going to spread to other places um, mm -hmm. very, very quickly. Yeah. I forget. I saw this awesome meme. I've seen it before, but I saw it on Instagram yesterday. I forget which it, but it's a, uh, you know, Jim from the office, you know, where he's pointing at the whiteboard or whatever. And it yeah. said, um, when you're, you're, when you're tipping on DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, you're not tipping. You're essentially placing a bid for your yeah. driver. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the gig companies, need to convey this maybe not literally like that but they need there needs to be something in there like where you say like when you place your order and you zero out the tip there should be some kind of pop-up that says are you sure you don't want to leave a tip drivers are not paid by are not paid hourly it is unlikely that you're or you know not tipping will likely increase in long waits and or something there's got to be something in there where the app is nudging the customer. Cause again, I was listening to some of our old episodes on the drive to Cocoa beach actually. Um, and I was saying, um, I lost my train of thought, but um, well, the, you know, I, the apps yeah. need to, they need to like 
they need to convey to the the customer. I, I was saying, you know, what percentage of customers actually tip? And like, since my acceptance rate on DoorDash is like twenty or thirty percent, that means sixty to seven percent either aren't tipping or they're just way too far away. Or you know, the app, the way the algorithm work has has a lot to do with it. But over fifty percent, at least, at least over fifty percent of customers on all these apps do not tip. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to tip cash at the door. Although statistically speaking, they don't. <laughs> I get cash tips once every maybe one in a hundred, one in five hundred yeah. deliveries. Um, I mean, maybe the apps there there can be a checkbox in there for mm-hmm. I will tip cash at the door. But you know, that's just gonna leave a a, a giant loophole for cheapskates to jump through to click that box and you show up and be like Hey, where's yeah, that just, cash you know, tip? Just, just like, oh, I forgot. Situation. Yeah, you're just lingering, lingering around waiting for the cash tip. More transparency. So transparency on our end is great, where we know all of the, the trip details. But should be transparent on the customer's end, too, when you decide to put a zero tip to let them know mm-hmm. you this food will take a little longer to be there because of the tip. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it may, be, it may be a way to word it, better but yeah you gotta be transparent to the customer too so they're not confused on why my mcdonald's is not showing up <laughs> or why my it takes two hours for the mcdonald's and then and also by not being transparent ruins the reputation of the company itself they say DoorDash sucks because it, it takes too long for my food to come like well mm-hmm. yeah because you're not tipping yeah. but they may not put that connection together you know so and it's also I mean, you, we can have the battle of I mean the people who don't tip a lot of them say you know I would tip if I get good service afterwards, it's like, and they always make the, it's a, yeah. I, it's a total false equivalency. I'm sorry, folks, is that people always compare what we do to when they go to a restaurant. It's like, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you don't tip the waiter when you sit down, you tip when you're, but it's, it's not the same thing. It's, it's not even really close. Um, that's all people are used to, you know, like you, you get your service, you get your food, your drinks. And then when you go to settle the check, that's when you tip, not, you don't tip, when you have no idea and, and like I've said, so I've said a million times, you know, so many drivers are such turds that they, you know, dress like prostitutes or like they're coming from a pickup basketball game, you know, and they don't use hot bags. They don't mess with the customers. You know, they don't, they do the bare minimum effort. And that's like a lot of what people are used to. So all you have to do is just show like a little bit of effort, show the customer that you care. That's how you're going to get five stars and bigger tips and stuff like that. Definitely. So, um, there, it, I, I, I don't know how much, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to just keep repeating myself, but I don't know. I feel like we need to sit down with, there, there needs to be like a reckoning <laughs> uh, uh, with the gig apps to convey to the customers that, like, look, you, you really need to pre tip. I'm sorry that, you know, it, that's not what you do when you go to a restaurant or the barber or whatever, but this isn't the same thing. Yeah. We're, we're in a different, like things evolve, right? Like mm-hmm. certain industries and the way we do things change and the bidding, like call it a bid or the, the tip or call it a pre-tip is necessary for you to get it faster just by just logic. It just, it's just the way it is. And I think it more, the more knowledge that's been sent out there for the customers to understand and then also, you know, I don't I don't agree with the idea that most people get deactivated unfairly. Mm-hmm. I've I've ordered enough food. My wife has, my family has, friends. There's a lot, it's too many bad drivers out there. Let's start, you know, cutting off, you know, cutting the herd a little bit, getting the people who are not good at this, which is a very simple job, get them gone. And and, and I guess get to keep the best people here so people will take properly and, and the service will get a little better. So you know, we, you can't hire everybody, and that's what that's what they're doing. They're getting they're trying to get everyone, and a lot of the people who are doing it, yeah, are not good at doing it. Yeah, you need a you need a higher barrier to entry, or or any at all for that matter. Something, <laughs> Something. <laughs> like it's a it's a it's two. Uh, the the criteria is two things. Number one, are you alive? Yeah. Number Reason. two, can you drive? You know, <laughs> that's about that's it. That's about it. Yeah. All right, we've been going on this topic forever. Let's move on. Although the next one is not. Um, you know, it's pretty much, it's very similar. Okay. So DoorDash shares data to shed light on potential impact of pay up policy on communities. Now this is following up to the last couple episodes where we talked about what's going on in Seattle. 
So a suite of bills is currently being considered by Seattle city leaders to set minimum wage standards and protection for app-based workers. Proponents of the bill said there are about 40,000 workers who would be impacted. DoorDash told Fox 13, while it strongly supports DoorDash workers earning more, the company believes if passed, pay up could lead to dramatically increased cost of delivery, which could reduce orders. The company estimates Seattle businesses could lose over $74 million collectively a year, and DoorDash workers would lose over $32 million in collective earnings due to an expected drop in orders. Our data shows that 48% of Dasher earnings are made by Seattle-based Dashers from low-income communities, and 48% of Seattle-based Dasher earnings are made by Seattle Dashers based dashers for from communities of color you also know that 31 percent of doordash deliveries are made to low-income communities all this makes us concerned that increased costs could have a disproportionate impact on vulnerable communities said spokesperson brianna megid of doordash in seattle workers using doordash earn an average of 20 dollars an hour while on delivery with over 90 percent working less than 10 hours a week according to megid who said further, we're proud to offer a low barrier. <laughs> well, we just talked about. We're proud to mm -hmm. offer a low barrier to entry earning opportunity that empowers dashers at work when, where, and how long they like. And then I just wanted to uh, bring this other one. Raymond Evans is a Seattle gig worker and strong supporter of PayUp. He said it's much more equitable, fair, transparent, and it's just it just feels right. Seattle wants to be a leader. Then get then get this right. Do what's right. Make sure people have equal pay. Um, and that's that's all I had to say on that. But um, there was a few key words and sentences in that story about, yeah, we, we have a low barrier to entry here, um, which is a good thing. No, it's not. It's a bad thing. And then the, the, the proponent of it is like, it just feels right. Well, to quote Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings, dude. People, well, you yeah. got to understand the laws of supply and demand, especially when it comes to so-called minimum wage, um, I think I talked well, about this well, last week. Well, a minimum wage um, position, right? A minimum, minimum wage position would mean that it will be a job that's a low barrier to entry, right? Is there a low barrier to entry to be an NBA player? No. It's a very high, you know, it takes a lot of years in prep and, and genetics and all that to get paid millions of dollars. So it, 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. Like, the idea of equitable, you know, equitable, equitable whatever, whatever. It, it, you know, it's more nonsense. Um, yeah, it, I understand what they're doing, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So I just ran into the other room to grab my copy of <laughs> Economics in One Lesson. Yeah. Uh, this this book was written, I believe, in the 40s, and it's still everything that's in it is relevant today. It was updated, like I think, up and through the 70s or something. So there's a whole chapter on minimum wage laws here, and um, it's actually only a few pages. I'm not going to read it all, but um, yeah, you can get this book for free. Just Google "Economics in One Lesson" free PDF, and so you, if you don't want to buy an actual book, but um, I mentioned this, I think it was last week with my uh, podcast with Steve where, when we were talking about the Seattle thing yeah. is um, the people like in your city, like didn't Bloomberg pass a, a sin tax like on big sugary drinks or whatever? Yeah, trying to, discourage, yeah. trying to discourage so, people from spending extra money on things they shouldn't be doing. But Exactly. So th the, the left realizes that when you make things more expensive, it tends to drive down demand. Now apply that to labor. So if we can make drinks that are bad for you really expensive, so to discourage people from consuming it, if we make labor very expensive, well, what do you think happens? It is really that simple. You do not have to be an economist to understand yeah, yeah, this. Like Robin Peter to pay Paul. The, yeah. the money money just is not some magical thing that just flies in the air. Like there's when you make certain things, when you artificially alter um the market mm -hmm. and understand i'm not saying we you know free market no regulation i'm not even saying that but when you put a lot of regulation to the market unintended consequences will happen like yep. what the article was saying about the, the effect on small businesses when you when you're altering and you're trying to make things just and fair you're making it unfair for someone else yeah you know, and, and that's that's the whole you, you just nailed the the thesis of this book in fact like chapter one is called the lesson and he actually he boils it down to one sentence see the uh where it's in uh, italics right there mm -hmm. 
The art of economics consists in looking not merely at the immediate, but at the longer effects of any act or policy. It consists in tracing the consequences of that policy, not merely for one group, but for all groups. Yeah. So that's basically what you just said. This this should be required reading for like all high school students, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a problem. And I'm wondering, with this, if, if all the regulation could just stop at uh, making the companies uh, give out uh, trip details, like the transparency of each offer, and that's mm-hmm. it, would that be enough? Like, I, I feel like that would be enough. I don't need a minimum wage requirement. I don't need the benefits. You know, personally, I just don't, I don't need those type of things. But if they could, if all the, the everyone could just stop at, let's just make them tell us exactly what's going on. I think that'll be yeah. fine. I guess that'll, that'll be it. Yeah. I mean, there's Prop 22 in California, which is kind of a minimum wage, sort of. But if the the option is that or 85, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take a Prop 22 any day. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Or how about neither and just, you know. <laughs> and also, what this dude doesn't get, what he said, you know, everybody should get paid equally. No, they shouldn't because... I think people who work harder should get paid more, not I'm going to clock in, sit at my house or, you know, I'm going to get in the car and then drive to, you know, uh, like the center, like wherever the hotspot is and just decline every order and then collect a paycheck. No. So anyway, let's move on. Um, Speaking of gig workers, but this is from um, staffingindustry.com. Gig workers to substantially replace full-time employees within the next three years, say C-suite execs. I had to look up what C-suite means. It means like executives that their title starts with C, like CEO, CFO. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're, the, they're the ones who are making the, the big bucks. Yeah, I, I had never heard that until just now. But anyway, so six in 10 C-suite executives from around the globe mm-hmm. expect gig workers will substantially replace full-time employees at their company within the next three years, according to a report released this week by Mercer. On the other hand, workers aren't as keen on freelancing and more work needs to be done to make gig work palatable. The reasons given illustrate a monumental change in attitude. The report st- states, before the pandemic, losing one's job was by far the strongest impetus for considering gig work, 22% in 2019, just 2% in 2022. Now the top drivers for freelancing include increasing earning potential to 48% today from 21% in 2019 and gaining greater flexibility and freedom up to 42% from 14%. As permanent roles become more flexible, freelancing will fall out of favor, according to the report. Um, and they have some minor stats here. This, I don't know, this was, it's sort of mostly more of a press release than really hard news, but um, it's just interesting that, and I'd be curious to see, like, if how, you know, like, who's funding this study, like, if it's a political, like, NGO or lobby or something like that, or if it's just a, you know, not uh, nonpartisan you know, journalistic group, but it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if Steve from Retro Rodeo is watching or listening, but I mean, he's been talking about this for years. It's just like everybody, a lot of people are, are leaving their W2 job and like gig work. Gig work isn't just grub dash sheets and stuff like that. It's also, well, you can't see the books right now, but it's, it's all freelancing, like artists, writers, uh, photographers, people who like like web design, a lot of like people who work in computer stuff, like, um, you know, you kind of, anybody who goes basically from job to job doesn't have a W2 employer. It doesn't have to just be, you know, like us. I mean, the point of this show is to cover our sector of the gig economy. So there's a larger sector of the gig economy than just, you know, Uber, Grubhub, DoorDash, Instacart, Amazon Flex, stuff like that. I mean, it's also, like I just said, so, um, what what was your reaction to this? Surprised? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I still think W two work is still, um, the the like the foundation of our labor, and if but I also agree that things change, especially what happened in the last two years that we start reevaluating what's important. I know that there's certain other markets or let at least there's a push to have you know the four day week, the prize of the five day. A work week or um remote working or hybrid mm-hmm. so a little bit more flexibility there i still think w2 work is still important even though it's not something for me personally i think most people um excel at that um, but if you have really if you have the hard work ethic and you're talented and you're creative and you and you're able to get that you know you're able to freelance effectively now, that's fantastic 
Um, but I think most people should probably just stay at the W-2 um, unless you really, because again, any kind of freelancing work you're going to have, if you're not prepared for the slow times, if you're not prepared for things going wrong, it can you know mess up everything. And I think a lot of people aren't really prepared for that because we're not, you know, as a country, we're not the most financially literate people. Um, we're, we're driven by consumer paying, uh, spending and debt. So W-2 it, work is consistent. You know, you get your paycheck as long as you don't com- completely mess up, you'll be fine. So I understand the the right now we're going into that area of more gig work, more freelancing, but hopefully mm. people you kind of look at it like we, what we do is not all perfect, right? We're, we're, we go through the ups and downs as well, just as much as the W-2 job. So um, we'll see. I guess we'll see in a few years. Yeah, and this this kind of touches up with a, a story we did a week or two ago where the people are going into gig work just for extra income, and it's interesting they say as permanent roles as permanent roles become more flexible, freelancing will fall out of favor. But it's I guess it's because like you know because of COVID, a lot of people working from home and they realize that they don't really need to work as many hours, you know, as they probably are required to. Or you're probably. It kind of it also probably depends on like what your role is too. Like if you're if you a project manager, anybody who does some kind of project, like something that has a definitive end goal, mm. and not like you know if you work in a call center and it never ends. It's just your work from eight to four. Like and a, just, a data entry type thing. Yeah, anything anything where there's no end goal, but if it's like we're working on a project, like if like say you're in construction you're building a house or building a building, whatever, like there, eventually you're going to leave the job site. You can't, you can't just, unless actually that's the, uh, that's how communism works. It's just, you know, never ending um, construction. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if, you know, traditional W2 employers are going to start giving their employees more flexibility for whatever that means, um, then I don't know. I mean, but, Again, going back to the, uh, well, I was going to say our Lord and Savior Steve, but um, the <laughs> prophet, the the prophet Steve, um, he said, you know, you, name one W two job where you can clock in and out whenever you want. It, it uh, that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like maybe that's kind of like what this is hinting at. Like maybe that's a future. Like I would go back to a W two job if they. Like if I could work from home and they said I could clock in and out whenever I want, that that I would do. Yeah, you would. But I just can't imagine would. like if they said just just show up at the office whenever you want, if you want to work yeah. two hours a week or 80. <laughs> I, I guess it really depends on your position. But even like the big tech companies, I, I know that uh, I think it was either Apple or it was one of those, one of those where the employees were a little bit upset that they were announcing that they were going to have to go back to the office, that they didn't want to go yeah. back. And, and these, you know, many, many of these employees are six figures. They're doing pretty well. And they're mm-hmm. still not comfortable with going back to work or to office probably for they don't want to go back because why would you want to go back and you can stay at home and do the same job? So, yep. All right. Let's take our quick commercial break and we'll be right back in about 30 something seconds. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The Drivers Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right, let's move on. You know, I've plugged duh as many times as i can so if you guys haven't checked it out by now link in the description below it's going to tell you everything you need to know that that commercial didn't just tell you (laughs) no leo can you hear him yeah he's singing right now cbd cbd (laughs) all right moving on this is a kind of a part two from last week about uh just eat takeaway considering selling uh, Grubhub. So this is from Reuters. 
Takeaway.com's second largest shareholder urges rebellion at AGM, which I believe stands for annual gathering meeting, some kind of annual shareholders meeting. And uh, we actually, we mentioned this last year, but it's, you know, it's coming back. So Cat Rock, not, not Leo and Logan, <laughs> Cat Rock, <laughs> uh, the second largest shareholder in Just Eat Takeaway, called on Monday for a major shakeup of the company by voting out its CFO and several members of its supervisory board at the company's annual meeting on May 4th. Moved by Cat Rock, which has been investor in Takeaway since shortly after its 2016 IPO, comes days after the company published a weaker-than-expected first-quarter trading update and said it would seek to sell its U.S. arm Grubhub, which it purchased in June for $7.3 billion. Takeaway management made a capital allocation mistake by buying Grubhub, then lost investor trust by providing misleading financial disclosures in advance of shareholder votes on the deal. Cat Rocks had a new statement and presentation on Monday. The solution is equally clear. The company needs a new supervisory board. They'll take quick strategic action to focus the business and strengthen its capitalization and a CFO that will rebuild its credibility with the capital markets. So, yeah, I mean, we've been saying this for almost a year now about you it's, know how Grubhub's in trouble. It's interesting that we, you know, us that, you know, we don't make anywhere near the kind of money that would advise people to spend billions of dollars. But if you were just ask any gig worker, like, hey, do you think Grubhub is worth $7 billion? And they're like, no. <laughs> like, no, no, don't. Like, should I buy? Like, so some rich fat cat came to me and said, because it was born in June, came to me in May and said, should I buy Grubhub for $7 billion? I would have said no, no, yeah. because I don't I don't get as many Grubhub orders. And I think you talk to a lot of people. I haven't seen a full-time Grubhub driver in forever. Like we even us could have realized that. Like it's funny that you can tell they don't, they're so out of touch. Kind of yeah. like CNN Plus. Out of touch. Don't speak to the average person to even put like that. This company's not worth seven billion dollars. I think they're gonna have to sell it at a, a huge discount. I think either either DoorDash or Uber, or just let the company just flounder and pass on. It's such a it was just such a bad move. It was a bad business move. Yeah, um, Ron from uh, Deliver on Your Business podcast, Entree mm. Courier. Yes, he did a show about this last week, which went the wrong way. Grubhub for sale again. What happened and how did they get here? Everybody should listen to this uh, podcast and he, like he. It's uh, what forty eight minutes. 24 minutes if you listen to it at 2x speed like I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he was saying is that he just kind of blames it on arrogance, which was kind of what I was saying last week with Steve is whenever you're the first to market, like think of like MySpace. Um, you Since you were the pioneer, you don't need to keep inventing because you invented the whole market. But then when new players come in and like they build on top of what you're built, because Grubhub was for for essentially the first like third party delivery company, they were there before Uber Eats and, and DoorDash. I think they, they started out by digitizing menus or something like that. And I remember yeah. I had never heard of Grubhub until I moved to Florida. I, I didn't get it at first. I was like, why would I order through Grubhub when I could just call the restaurant? And like, people were like, Oh, well they're, they're doing it like restaurant. It's a lot cheaper for them to just farm it out to Grubhub instead of having their own employees. And I was like, Oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. And, um, you know, like so they don't they don't innovate, they don't you know invest in new products or anything. Like you can order like right now, I could order a big screen TV on DoorDash, probably on Uber, definitely on Instacart. You know, not necessarily, and then you know through Best Buy or Walmart or something like that. But can you order a big screen TV on Grubhub? No. no. Can you order flowers on Grubhub? I don't think so. Grubhub is, you know. A, for the name, I mean, they really marketed, the, you know, painted themselves in a corner of just being food. Whereas DoorDash, you mostly think of it as being food, but it's it's it can be more than that. Same thing with Uber, because like you know, Uber bought Corner Shop, and now you can buy um, groceries. You can either go through the Uber Eats app or through Corner Shop. Yeah. Um, I don't have to, you know, obviously with Instacart, Ship, things like that. But what else can you buy on Grubhub besides Grub? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I think, yeah, and I think I think that's the biggest. You you're right. They're, they're the first, and I think Uber, even Uber, um, kind of were surprised. I'm assuming Uber was su surprised too in terms of how effective, how um, quick and aggressive DoorDash has to to 
to conquer the marketplace. Mm-hmm. I think it even caught Uber by surprise because you would assume that Uber should be used to this. They've already cornered the rideshare market. But even even I think they, they got caught flat footed with how aggressive DoorDash was because DoorDash, uh, Tony Zhu probably had this idea in mind. Like, I'm not going to just deliver food. I'm going to deliver everything. I'm going to try. I'm going to get, you know, you go to Petco to get food, like uh, get food for your dog. You know, so they, they had a bigger, big, bigger idea of how to do it. And in Grubhub conscious, yeah, like I said, just deliver food and they got left behind. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about this this morning is like, and, and uh, uh, Ron mentioned in his podcast is that he doesn't think that DoorDash or Uber Eats, not only would they not only be not be interested in buying Grubhub is that even if they were, they probably wouldn't be allowed to like the FTC would probably block it or whatever. If I was Tony Shu, I would, I, I would be kind of like make like half trolling, half serious offer. I would say I'll give you a million dollars for Grubhub. <laughs> like think about it. These the problem with like when you're working in an all virtual cloud based environment like this is like what are you buying? You're do you need the offices? Do you need the employees? No. And again, going back to Steve, he said this before, is like, when what, what would they actually be buying? A database, basically. When Uber bought Postmates, all they really bought was like the Postmate customer database, and they just merged it into Uber Eats. So I'd be curious, how many customers are exclusively on Grubhub that are not on DoorDash or Uber Eats or Instacart or whatever? Yeah. So the like, rest, again, the rest, the rest that's what I'm saying. Else. They have all of the apps. They have all the tablets. Yeah. So if you're a restaurant, you're going to be on all three, you know, because there's no reason not to be. Um, so that's why I was saying, like, if I'm Tony Shu, I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a million dollars for it. Like, because all you're going to be buying essentially is the database. Yeah. Like how, and, how much? Yeah. How much is the information and the brand names? Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're just going to eventually like Uber folded Postmates into Uber Eats, I don't, I don't even know. Can you? Can you is the Postmates app even in? Let me check the App Store. I don't think I it's in there it's anymore. There. I believe so. it might be because I remember like all the Postmates drivers. Because um, Postmates is a big deal in the West Coast, is from where I remember. Yeah, it's still in the App Store, but I don't know. I guess that's it's just kind of like for customers that just like aren't tech savvy and haven't caught on that. Hey, we've we've migrated it to this new app. You know, probably yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, again, but it's like you're just buying like you're you're buying the database and the IP. There's no phys- like if it's a if it was a physical brick and mortar store, you would have some kind of inventory or something. But when everything's virtual, all you're buying are, are ones and zeros. Yeah, you're right. It probably was not even worth paying for anything. So I don't know. I I can't imagine that Grubhub is just gonna fade into the ether and just you know, but. I, I I just don't know what else is gonna who would buy them, maybe maybe Walmart or Amazon, some giant company like that Disney, where they think that like if they think that they have a genius idea, but still, they're gonna have to cough up. I mean, they're gonna want to make their money back. They spent seven point three billion, you know. Yeah, they're gonna have to continue. That's to not to, just to continue it on because yeah, it's seven yeah. billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Kyle said uh, Grubhub will probably just hang in there and chill. Well, they got to start They start getting customers in because they're getting their asses kicked by not just Uber Eats and Grubhub, but like Instacart. <laughs> it sucks because a lot of, you know, if you do do well in Grubhub in your market, Grubhub usually gives you the best payouts. Yeah, yeah. but they're also like also the longest distance too. They're always like, yeah, that's true. I've seen them up to like 20 something miles. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's move on. We got two sad stories in a row. I saved the uh, kind of wanted to uh, to move these, you know, not at the beginning of the show, but anyway. So this is from Protocol.com. Lyft asked if this driver needed help. He was already dying. Uh, Lyft's driver safety features failed. Kristen Phil Kristen Philpotts is a dude, not a not a girl. Uh, even before the night he was murdered in early December, while Phil Potts was driving to make more money to pay for his lifelong dream of going to veterinary school, someone stopped his car and tried to carjack him. 
Philpots ran for safety, and soon a text came through from Lyft. It looks like you've been stopped for a while. Do you need help? Philpots answered yes, but all he got was an auto reply in return. This is Lyft. We cannot forward your message. Philpots had apparently missed the link. He was supposed to click to register his reply. That night, at least, Philpots got away unscathed. Anyway, one month later, he wouldn't be so lucky. On January 12th, Philpots, 29, was fatally shot in Champaign, Illinois, by three teenage passengers who are now being charged with his murder. Once again, Philpots received a text from Lyft asking if he needed help, but this time he couldn't answer, and Lyft didn't seem to notice. Lyft said it's worked hard to develop security features to keep drivers safe, in addition to the text that the company sends. Lyft also has a 24-7 safety team and partners with ADT, so drivers can use the Lyft app to contact the security company and get emergency services sent to their location. But Philpot's story is a case study not only in how those safety features fail in real time and real life and death situations, but also in how Lyft itself fails the families of drivers who are hurt or killed on the job. I'm going to scroll down a little here towards the end. Lyft proactively checks in with drivers, for instance, via text, in-app notifications, and push notifications if, say, they're stopped for a long time or go off route. If a driver doesn't view the message within 30 minutes, Lyft follows up. But the company doesn't escalate the issue with authorities when drivers are unresponsive because a uh, Lyft spokesperson said check-ins are triggered in a number of situations, and not all of them are necessarily safety-related. Um, it says, but right, that's his mother. Phil Potts' mother believes Lyft owes drivers a lot more. She argues the company should provide drivers with insurance that covers more than just accidents, panic buttons that don't require fiddling with an app, and a passenger screening process that are at least as forceful as what drivers themselves have to go through. Have background checks run on them the same way they do on drivers, noting that teens who killed Phil Potts were technically too young to even use the app under Lyft's policies. Um, yeah, this is a sad story, but... <laughs> I kind of hate to argue with the the next of kin here, but you you can't run background checks on on riders. Who's yeah, going to pay for it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's doesn't because you can get a you can get a cab in New York City by hailing one by sticking your arm up and and there's no background check. You're gonna get in the get in the cab and they're gonna ask you, can you go through this background check real quick before I drive the car? Like it, it just doesn't work that way. That's very unfortunate. It seemed like he just had a string of bad luck. Um. It's it's going to be difficult to rely on these tech companies to provide your safety, mm. and that's what a lot of people are trying to do. No, the safety issue is why there's three teenagers out there robbing and killing people. What's going on with the local government? What's going on with the local policing? And if crime is at a point where your your safety is questioned, then you're going to have to find something else to do. Or take the roll the dice and you know go out there and do it. You know, yeah, we can put some more features in the app, but you know, it depends on where you are, where you live. If yeah, things are that bad, you maybe you should find another line of work. It's not fair, but life is not fair. You have to figure out how yeah. to get to the next day. You know, I mean, I, I the only thing I can really agree with on here is that maybe some kind of simpler panic button, like a one push panic button, but still. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually, the next story, um, like, you know, Uber is, they've introduced a feature where it'll record the audio of the ride. But again, you would have to do that before the, the, the passenger gets in the car, I guess. Or, I mean, I guess you could afterwards, but it's like, you don't know when, I mean, maybe you can suspect, like, probably the neighborhood I drive in is a lot safer than, like, your neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm not really worried about it. And it's like, and that's also when you drive in the suburbs is you're not expecting it. And like, you know, you pick up <laughs> some crazy, it's not like serial killers only live in the most rundown uh, neighborhoods yeah. like Flint, Michigan or something. They can be in like Mary, Florida too, or, or whatever. Um, it's just, you don't know where this is going to happen. I mean, I would say, safety definitely starts with you. I mean, a lot of it's just common sense. Like, first of all, don't, First of all, as I said so many times, don't do drive, don't do rideshare. Um, I find rideshare in as a whole is pretty much for suckers. I mean, maybe if you're in Seattle and the city council passes a minimum wage where you're getting like you know you're making a hundred bucks an hour or whatever, you know, then it might be worth the risk. But you know, here in Orlando where it's you're getting paid peanuts, um, it's just so not worth it. You know, and if you absolutely are going to do rideshare, you know, don't do it in the middle of the night. And if you are, 
hopefully live in some kind of red state where you can have a concealed carry or something like that. I mean, it's like, I mean, we can, we could go on forever about this, but um, there's just, I you know I hate to apologize for the big tech app companies, but there's only so much they can do. I mean, people want this magic solution of just, they want to live in a world without, you know, where there's no danger or anything, but that's, that's not the world we live in. It's, it's a dangerous world. Gig workers. I mean, we're, we're much more likely to be killed in a car accident. Um, I've noticed that like ever since I started doing this, I'm a much more defensive driver. You know, like I'm constantly, every time I just make a left or right turn, I check like 10 times, you know? Yeah. So I'm much more worried about getting a car accident than getting, you know, shot or carjacked or whatever. But I mean, the risk is still there. And, um, Let's roll into the next story, which is pretty much, well, it's not the same thing, but it's, you know, dovetails, I guess, is the word I'm okay. looking for here. Uh, how safe is food delivery driving? Tech companies roll out new protective features. Um, I'm not going to play the video. I'm just going to, or I'm just going to read some of the, uh, the transcript here. As more people have relied on food delivery apps during the pandemic, questions of worker safety have arisen after high profile crimes. On Monday, a DoorDash delivery driver, Andrew Satavu, was shot and killed inside his vehicle after dropping off an order near the McHenry Village Shopping Center in central Modesto. Police have not released any information on a possible motive or suspect. The fatal shooting is a first reported murder of a third-party delivery app worker while on the job in the city. Uh, the city has had incidents in the past. Most third-party third app delivery drivers don't carry large amounts of cash with them because payments and tips are made through the customer's mobile phones, but their cars have become targets. In December 2019, a different DoorDash delivery driver was picking up an order at Garcia Jojo's on McHenry Avenue in Modesto when her car was stolen. Police in some major metropolitan areas, including Minneapolis and D.C., have reported during the pandemic that carjackings and car thefts have gone up, including against gig workers who drive for third-party apps like DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats. In response, tech companies that employ delivery gig workers have updated some of their policies and procedures. A DoorDash spokesperson said the company offers occupational accident insurance to its drivers, who they call dashers. At no cost, last year it also launched an in-app safety toolkit for its gig workers. Since the pandemic started, rival company Uber Eats has also put new safety guidelines in place, including GPS tracking, an emergency assistance button for delivery people, and Grubhubs. It, on its website for delivery drivers, said it will proactively close markets when a market has, as a whole becomes unsafe for our delivery partners, which is true. Um, Grubhub of the Grubdash Eats is the only one where I like, it'll say like, I think around 10 o'clock, maybe 11 or midnight on Fridays and Saturdays, it'll say like, we're closed now basically. Like you can't even, you can't even Grubhub during the graveyard shift. You can Uber Eats in, in DoorDash, you know, from midnight well, to 5 a.m. or whatever. 24 hours. I mean, it depends on what you want. Yeah. yeah. You can be on the whole time. Yeah. Do you think, um, Uber Eats and, uh, DoorDash, should they cut off delivery? Like, like maybe midnight to 5 a.m. or something? Uh, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I order food sometimes at 12 o'clock. Or maybe market by market. Or... Yeah, sure. You know what? Market by market. What's open in many of the restaurants in the you know, middle of America? Like, you know, that's one of the things that McDonald's. I, when, yeah, when you're, yeah, when you're out. Uh, and you you know you're going on you know someone comes over here to New York City on vacation, and you'll ask them like what time everything kind of closed where you are, and I'm like yeah man one o'clock two o'clock sometimes even earlier oh there's nothing open so you're just in the house, so it definitely is market, but it's probably safer and probably less people will get robbed because there was another story happened last week um uh a young man 21 years old went into I think either apartment complex drop off some food. Uh, three kids jumped him, took his money, obviously, took $300 out of his pocket. Why was he walking around with $300? I don't know. But, uh, you know, you get you got some minor cuts and bruises. It probably makes sense for, in our market, <laughs> to have a cutoff point because of the the high crime. But right. there's so many restaurants open. So, you know, money, capitalism, yeah, they, they should stay open. Is it good for crime and people getting hurt? No. Okay, that's that's my waffling yeah. answer. I see. I think it should be the other way around. Like New York City, Chicago, Detroit, stop deliveries after eleven. <laughs> but in Lake Mary, Florida, 
you know, in coastal towns, tourist towns, that, yeah, that can go all night. Like yeah. it's, I think they would you have to do some kind of. Nice, you can still get a pizza at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's just yeah. a whole different world, man. Uh, that that is a young man's game. Like I, I do not. It's very rare I stay up past like midnight one tops. Like I need my sleep, people. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> hey, Eric's here. Hello. Yeah. Um. All right. So sorry to have those uh, two bummers of a story, but I mean, safety is just something we're always going to talk about on this show. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's take uh, another quick break and we'll be right back. And uh, can you guess what this commercial is for? Meet Joe. He's a rideshare driver that drives for Uber and Lyft. Joe currently uses multiple phones to efficiently drive for Uber and Lyft. But this can be a pain at times and very unsafe. That was until Joe found Maximo, the rideshare app that automates Uber and Lyft ride requests. Maximo will use the filters set by Joe, like time, distance, and passenger rating, to determine which rides are best suited for Joe. When a ride request comes in, Joe doesn't need to worry. Maximo will automatically accept the ride request that matches his filters, and then turn off the app that isn't currently on a ride. Once Joe finishes the ride, Maximo will turn everything back on. This will allow Joe to focus more on his passengers and driving safe. Yep, and like I've said, unless this is not your first show, Maximo is more than just Uber and Lyft. It's also for Uber Eats and Grubhub. So check that out. Link in the description below. All right, let's get on to our, our lighter stories. We really only have two. There's um there's two in a row that are essentially the same story. So this this first one is from Thrill List. Instacart is launching AI technology that rings your rings up groceries from your cart. Again, we talked about this last year, but it's it's funny how um, stuff we talked about just getting underway in 2021 now is actually coming to fruition this year. So um you can see these, this picture of these shopping carts, smart shopping carts. After acquiring tech company Caper last year, Instacart has launched two AI-powered ways to pay. The Caper Cart and Caper Counter. The first auto detects your cart contents and scans the items directly for nearly immediate checkout experience. The Caper Carts are currently in pilot mode, but at major retailers across the U.S. with plans for further rollout soon. And you can see the picture in this picture, which you will see again real soon. As for the Caper Counter, which has just recently launched at Boston's Fenway Stadium, isn't it Fenway Park? It's not Fenway Stadium. <laughs> Pittsburgh's Heinz Field, in partnership with Aramark Sports, Sports Plus Entertainment, it can visually identify items with their shape, color, key features, and size, so you can purchase everything contact-free and 65% faster than the traditional way. And that rolls right into this story from Supermarket News. In fact, they use the exact same picture. of You put your drinks and chips in this kind of box looking thing here Instacar Aramark take checkout technology to the ball game and it's basically just mentioning the uh how they have this at, at Fenway Park caper counter is powered by AI including computer vision and sensor fusion technology to visually detect and identify items based on their shape color yeah we already saw this so um yeah these two stories are essentially the same but um I thought that was kind of cool I wish they would get more into the Instacart part of it because I'm kind of wondering what the future of this is because like even if it like like when you take an item off the shelf and put it in your cart, you still do you still have to go through the cashier because you still have to bag it up, unless it's like Aldi where you bring your own bags. So I'm wondering I'm wondering how that's gonna work. I thought the yeah. the the Fenway the Fenway Park thing that's kind of cool. I mean that's just gonna save you. Maybe I mean that maybe it's gonna save you a few minutes in line. Maybe yeah, but yeah yeah I could see yeah. Saving Robots time are taking is, our jobs. <laughs> yeah, saving saving time makes sense, but in terms of a grocery store, there's so many moving parts. Security is still an issue. There's loss of prevention. Just people taking things. You still have to go through something um, to know that you're not just you know robbing a store. Obviously, yeah. Um, but I understand what Instacart is trying to do. They're trying to speed up these orders. I don't know if that's the issue that Instacart. Um, choppers are having necessarily about the time, yeah, time, but they worry about how terrible these offers are. Mm -hmm. Even if you do it faster to ring it up, you still got. I forgot. Uh, I think I think it was Dimples on Demand had a screenshot of an order that had 
like four um, bottles of uh, containers of water, the images, and it's right. like 15 in each of the images, like the, the little number on the side. And it was like for like 20 something dollars. So he's like, you're going to get a nice heavy workout <laughs> to put all these <laughs> orders in. That's an issue that Instacart needs to try to figure out. Yeah, ringing it is, yeah, getting a ring and getting it, uh, I guess that done fast is a good thing, I guess. But there's so much more issues to be done. But, you know, I guess it's kind of, you do one thing at a time, I guess. And I'm wondering how these smart cards, how will they do produce? You know, because like oh, stuff that has to be weighed. Like, I mean, maybe there's a little scale. Like, I mean, that's fine if you're getting like four apples, but if you're getting like a water, well, watermelons are usually sold by the quantity. But what's, what's something that's like, um, cabbage cabbage is is pretty heavy and it's usually sold by the weight you know and that can be like four five pounds for a head of cabbage does does this thing will have a um a weight a scale yeah Yeah, that's that's what i'm wondering or can it just look at it and and (laughs) can the camera just look at it and be and just judge the weight we'll get there it's probably not there right now but we'll get there eventually with technology i thought it was pretty interesting all right so let's move on to our last story this is the only funny story of the week that I could find from uh, Upworthy. Lyft's, Lyft driver's hilarious menu of 10 different types of ride options is pure genius. All Uber and Lyft drivers should have a ride options menu. If I drive if I drive ride share again, I'm going to rip this off. So you can see this, this picture on the back of a guy's car. It says, welcome to Cameron's car to ensure the best ride possible. I've prepared a menu of the various types of rides I offer. Just choose one or don't. That's an option too. Then sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. All right, so I'm not going to read this whole story. Read. He has 10 things on it. I'm just going to read the bullet points. Number one, the awkward ride. You ignore this menu completely, then we will sit in silence for the remainder of the ride. Number two, the funny ride. I tell you jokes or entertaining stories from my life. Number three, the silent ride, and then it's blank. Although I don't <laughs> see how the, how's the silent ride different from the awkward ride. Yeah. I mean, you just jump in and say, I'm going to do the silent ride, so you could not talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Number four, the creepy ride. I don't say anything, but I keep staring at you in the rearview mirror. He should not have that on there. <laughs> well, I think it's it's a joke. But. Number five, the karaoke ride. We rock out. It hits from the, early, the 80s, early 2000s, or whatever you want. Number six, the bubbles ride. We blow bubbles the whole time. Number seven, the small talk ride. We talk about how crazy the weather's been lately. And I asked you if you caught the game last night. <laughs> Number eight, the therapy ride. You vent to me about your problems, and I listen. Number nine, the drunk ride. You throw up in my car. Yeah. Number what's, ten, two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. We had them. Yeah. Number ten, the cliche ride. You asked me how long I've been driving for a lift. Oh, is, isn't that true? Um, yeah, I know you don't do ride share, but I, you you use it as a passenger. Yeah, I, or I, at I, least you used I, to. I used, do you? I used it on Saturday. Uh, my friend, a friend, uh, visit me and the wife. I uh, used to be, you know, because we went drink and I didn't feel like I hate. I had such a long, terrible week of driving and traffic <laughs> is terrible. So yeah, I jumped on the. Uh, Uber. Unfortunately, we still have to wear a mask because that's really? New York City for you. Yeah, we still have to wear it. Everyone else, everyone else is take the mask off. In New York City, you still have to wear it. So I'm a, I'm a. It depends on the, during the day. If I ever took a ride share, I'm quiet and I really don't talk. At night, if I'm a wife or friends and we're either having some drinks or whatever, and we're more I don't know social, we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk. But I always feel like we're a. We we are bothering the driver, so I, I'll sometimes if we're too loud, I'll say I'm sorry, or like I'll tip you. Don't worry yeah. about it. Like I'll just do that. It's like because I'm sure if I'm working, I won't be dealing with some loud mouths, uh, you know, intoxicated people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I always just kind of play off the driver because um, it just depends. Like because a lot of people, a lot of drivers around here are like boomers, and a lot of them are, well, regardless of their age, they're like Puerto Rican or like you know, English or second language. So it's kind of hard to have a conversation when they only, they don't speak English that well or whatever. And also don't really have a whole lot in common unless like I'm wearing like an Orlando city shirt and like, like maybe we can bond over that, you know? Um, and also I remember, I think the last time I, I haven't used Uber as a rider in a long, long time, but the last time that I did this guy, he had a, like, I think it was a Ford Fiesta and I swear it may as well have been a two door because uh, the, there is no leg room in the back. So I'm sitting behind the driver and he's got to see all the way back in this tiny car. So my, 
my knees are like I'm sitting in the in the passenger seat like this. Yeah, Fiesta is uh, a small, very small car. Yeah, yeah, it's. I thought my fit was small, but actually, actually my fit is pretty roomy inside. Mm-hmm. That that was like probably the, like when I drove rideshare. That was like the first thing a lot of people would say when they get in the car. They're like, "Oh wow, it's a lot bigger in here than it looks on the outside." Yeah, the, the fit. Ha- yeah, the fit. When you look at it, like, yeah, it's not a lot. Not yeah. going. On. When you get into it, yeah, like, okay, that's a, that's got some real uh, leg room around here. Yeah. Um, I guess about wraps it up. Sorry, there was no real funny TikToks or anything this week. I, I guess I just didn't look hard. You gotta enough, make your but... own funny TikToks, and then we'll just review what you've done. Yeah, you I, done. I am on TikTok, but uh, I haven't posted anything there in a while. Mm. I changed my. Uh, I don't know if you can see this. I change. I I changed my lock screen on my uh, my phone. <laughs> yeah, was that burger? Yeah, it's from Five Guys. I was there on Saturday night. It's one of my. That's my favorite fast food i don't get it that often because there's no five guys in sanford mm. and uh i was doing an amazon route in in daytona beach and uh, i was driving home and i was like uh there's a the five guys is right next to the total wine so i was like you know two for one you know here oh, i'm gonna yeah, can't, can't go wrong with that yeah i'm gonna get five guys and uh stop at total wine grab some beer nice what did kyle say I'm trying to get my 2022 Toyota Corolla Hybrid tomorrow. Cool. Nice. Why nice. get? Why, why buy new? 54 miles to the gallon. Yeah. Maybe he got like that. No. I I I bought my Fit new, and I don't think I'll buy a new car again. Just because like you're paying like so much more, and like a good certified used car can be just as good, you know. Yeah. Although like, it's funny, well, like. Good. How, how much technology has advanced since since then you know like the the car i had before the fit i had a 2008 toyota yaris and even back in 2008 like i bought that brand new too um like it didn't have power locks or power windows it was like an old car like with a crank window oh yeah and, like even day. 90s yeah. <laughs> it had it had an aux input i used to have to uh like it used the the three point five millimeter, like where it plugs in the headphone jack, and then it I plugs have in. The, the, I, my Jeep still has the like it have Bluetooth, but it doesn't work with music. It's a whole thing, but it's like yeah. a you know ten twelve year old car. I know it's like if you if you want to if you if you're like me where all your music is on your phone, and you don't listen to the radio. I mean, who listens to the radio anymore unless you're listening to like sports talk radio? Yeah, or yeah, sports or like sports. You know, I, I can't even believe AM radio is still around. You know. Still, it, yeah, big deal too. I mean, again, it depends on where you are, but yeah, radio still yeah. works around here. Yeah, it's still a big deal. All right, well, uh, thanks for watching, everybody. I will be back uh, on Thursday morning. Nice with uh, Steve. We're trying to do uh, the morning shift there, which is great by me. Yeah, that bathrobe like, was hilarious last week. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I wasn't going to wear a shirt underneath, but I was like, yeah, I should probably wear a shirt. But. Yeah, wear a shirt, Jared. Yeah, well, I was like, the whole point is that we're, um, it's like having breakfast with us, you know. So like, I was, well, I wasn't drinking coffee because I'm like, you know, if I drink coffee, I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the show. So, <laughs> but it's a good vibe. <laughs> Keep it up. I like that. It was cool. Yeah, if you want to do this show in the morning, um, it's just great for me because sometimes I get those Amazon flex blocks and I don't get home till like nine nine thirty. Gotta take the boys uh-huh. to school. Not available. Yeah. All right. All right, you know the deal. If you watch all the way to the end, you are awesome. Check out Hannibal's channel. Links to everything in the description below. And uh, oh, oh, as far as the interview show, sorry, it's been a delay. It's because my computer was down and I couldn't book guests because I didn't know I was going to have a computer back. And it looks like we're going to have another interview show probably Wednesday night. So uh, I just got to get that in writing. And uh, I will see you guys in a few days. So see you next week. All right. See ya. Bye.